final report of the podcast Sheebie-Jeebies. HBIC here. The other members of the show, Jay and James, are dead. Contents of the website destroyed. I should reach a new producer in about six weeks. With a little luck, the audio files will be salvageable. This is Sam, last survivor of Eternally Bored Productions, signing off. Nah, we're just fucking with you. Welcome to another episode of Sheebie-Jeebies, everybody, the podcast about horror movies that is by fans, for fans, and about fans. And I, again, am your host, Sam Carlson. My two other guests, well, our producer and our guest, they are not dead. They're quite alive, despite the fact that there's an alien egg with a face hugger coming out of it in the middle. But you'll see those pictures later on when we post them to the social media and the website if we ever get that up and running, because I'm lazy and continually, like, never having enough time to do these things. So, today we're going to cover 1979's Alien by Ridley Scott, which, you know, it's a, obviously it's a classic, and my guest today is James Juarez. So, James, hello, tell, hello. Us, tell us a little bit about yourself. So, or nothing at all, I don't care. Yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> zero, zero intro here, let's just uh, roll into it. Okay, well, why'd you want to do Alien? Alien, I think, for me, uh, really did frame who I am as a person when it comes to movies. Uh, it was the very first R-rated movie I ever saw. Seven years old, sitting in a friend's house. Didn't even have a TV at the time at my own place. And uh, they had a DVD collection, or I'm sorry, a, a VHS collection. And I saw Alien. And I had just seen E.T. And I was thinking, Alien, I like Aliens. Aliens are nice. So I threw Alien in around 2 in the morning. And, um, Perfect time for a seven-year-old yeah, no, to be up was, and watching movies. Yep, fantastic time of my life. And uh, I was kind of bored, honestly, the first little bit of that movie. And then the uh, chest burster happened, and I was hooked from then on. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great scene. Um, did you see the other movies after that? I have, yeah. Uh, I watched whatever was available to me like right after that, uh, and I've seen everything since. So where do you think they stand as far as, you know, movies, you know, alien movies that needed to be, like sequels that needed to be made versus sequels that didn't need to be made? I think Aliens needed to be made. That one stands on its own and really did influence a lot of movies since. Everything else after that, I don't feel really held up the standard. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any recollection of Alien 3 because my mom took me to see it in the theater. She wanted to see it, so of course I went with her. And I slept through a good part of it. The only time <laughs> when I woke up, that was when Ripley was like, ah, oh, falling back into yeah. whatever, the molten lava, like just you know, T2-ing herself, whatever it was, to kill the queen. Uh, Alien Resurrection, I actually weirdly enjoy that movie, and I will watch it, you know, just unabashedly. <laughs> just just because, you know, at this point, we have a completely different Ripley, because she's part alien now. She mm -hmm. can do a lot of cool shit, but she also has all the best lines in the movie. She does. Yeah. yeah she really carried that movie. Yeah, and then Winona Ryder is great, and you've got Ron Perlman in there, too. Yeah. And the, you know, then they actually made a scarier alien, that uh, human hybrid. Mm -hmm. That thing was terrifying. And then it, you know, it has no problem taking out the queen. Nope. Like one swipe. Just and rips that the thing's face yeah. off. <laughs> I know. Oh, and then we have Brad Dorif in there, too. Like, he got his head eaten by that weird humanoid alien. Yeah. You know, I love Brad Dorif anyway. Because he's uh, the voice of Chucky. So, <laughs> I'll watch anything. Did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a fantastic character actor. Uh, but, you know, um, Prometheus I still haven't seen. I've only watched the YouTube clips, and Covenant was, yeah. Questionable. 
Covenant was just, it felt like just kind of, you know, again, like a mid-step, we're leading up to something better. Right. You know, kind of like they're almost setting up a trilogy like Prometheus, Covenant, and then I guess whatever were this um, upcoming Alien movie is supposed to be in some sort of pre-production that's mm-hmm. completely untitled and I know nothing about. Uh, but, you know, we were mentioning, we were talking about this before, you had to put two Michael Fassbenders in that movie, <laughs> and have a gay joke and have gay tension between them to make the movie somewhat passable. And I mean, you know, Fassbender's perfect in it. Yes. But the plot, I felt like, you know, I'm watching just a, a, I'm I'm watching a retread again. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, we're just getting extra background information. So I really like to see a radical departure. I think that might be why I like Resurrection because it's so So fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think for that series going forward, different is kind of where the key is because you can't top what's already been done. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So a new path's kind of what's needed there. Yeah. How many times have you seen Alien, would you say? At original? least 20 times, if not more. God. Yeah. So how did that influence how you view movie, movies? Is it like a standard for you almost? It kind of is. Um, it's, it's the one movie where if I'm watching any other movie, I'll be like, oh, they got that out of Alien. Mm-hmm. Like every single time. Um, aliens as well. Uh, but it, it kind of makes me appreciate more how a film is shot or why things are the way they are because really beyond just the story being told, how a film is made also kind of gives you insight into what's being explained to you, really. Mm-hmm. So like the colors, the directing, the sound even, uh, it all just kind of makes a really complete package that you don't get very often. Yeah, definitely. And then, uh, of course, the the creature designs by H.R. Beautiful, Eager. absolutely beautiful. Oh, he's stunning. I mean, it's stunning artistry. And, uh, you know, the they are very sexual in nature, but uh, we would actually see more of that later on yeah. when his designs were used for species. Right. Yes. Oh, that's a... A little bit overboard on that one, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, a little bit. Uh, uh, as far as Ridley Scott goes, were, what in particular did you really latch onto about his directing style? For him, it seems that the movie isn't just a movie, it's also art. He wants you to both be afraid of the monster, um, but also view it as something kind of unique and beautiful in a way. And even when it's like in the shadows, you still get that feeling that it's um, alive, it's moving very fluidly, very evenly, and it's just fun to look at the whole way through. Oh, it is, yeah. I mean, uh, I was watching a featurette because I watched the director's cut, and they were talking about incorporating all of Giger's designs into even the spaceship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something that uh, I didn't really put two and two together. I didn't, uh, but maybe that's also part of why it works. It's not just you're watching this beautifully designed alien uh, run around in a spaceship. It's also because the spaceship looks like the alien, and again, that also ramps up the suspense and the terror when the alien's hiding among different parts of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how does this movie even start? They get some sort of distress signal? So, they're miners, basically, or the workers going to go retrieve some ore, and on the way back to Earth, they get woken from stasis because their computer says, distress signal nearby. So, they have to, you know, get out of hyperspace or get out of sleep or whatever, and then go investigate the signal as part of their contract. Yeah. And that's how it gets kind of all downhill from there. True. And it's kind of a weird Good Samaritan space law. So It is. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a little Star Trek-y, and I like that, you know, that the great, idea. The, the great unknown, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, oh, man, I lost my train of thought. Well, I'm slightly hungover, guys. I'm sorry. I got into this <laughs> wicked lightsaber battle at somebody's birthday party last night, and I drank too much. 
and there was a pinata filled with mini booze bottles, and I have a giant ass welt on my arm from the lightsaber battle. So, if you'll excuse me. Um, so yeah, no, they go into they have to investigate this distress signal because Good Samaritan space laws, mm-hmm. uh, and they're walking around and all this shit because if they don't do it, they're not going to get any money. Right. Which that sucks. So no choice. And they, who it was Kane that got uh, came across the alien egg initially, I believe. The he's kind of uh, was Dallas's second in command, mm-hmm. uh, third being Ripley herself. Uh, so he comes across that alien egg, and I guess he's poking at it or something. You know, in any good horror movie, you've always got the one guy that goes where they shouldn't go, pokes they shouldn't poke, and gets eaten or something. And he's our man this time around. Yeah, exactly. And it just goes right through his right through his helmet. Right through the helmet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, initially, like, uh, because it's Dallas and then Lambert, I think Parker's there too, maybe, I forget, uh, Ripley doesn't want to open the door to let, to let, uh, to let them in because Kane's got something attached is, to his body, it's alien it's in nature. It's a very good call, yes, you don't open the door and let weird creatures into yeah. the spaceship. That's just... Dallas is a shitty cat. <laughs> he really is. He's just ignoring quarantine laws and just, conti- like, all the time undermining Ripley, yes. all the time. But uh, then Ash, who is our quote-unquote science officer, he's a legitimate sci- He is a, a literal science officer in every sense of the word, since we'll find out later he's an android. Yes. Uh, he opens the door to let them in, and it's, this is, it's just bad decision-making at the beginning. And then they, uh, they manage to get Kane out of his suit, and we see this thing that is on his face, and that is very startling, this face hugger, and it's just, it looks just like a hand. And it's kind of suffocating him, but its little long ball sack things are kind of breathing oxygen into him. Ugh. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't remember if there were fingernails in the movie, but then you mentioned it on this face hugger that was created from Giger's actual uh, actual design. And then you Googled it, smartly enough. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there, there are fingernails on it in the movie, apparently. And so I wonder, it's just how... Close to humans, are they? Are the xenomorphs? Just close enough to make you uncomfortable, I think, was what they were going for with the designs. You can, you can see it's obviously an alien creature, but you can kind of relate to it at least a little bit, which makes it somewhat more terrifying, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, I've, you know, I've always been interested in like the reproductive cycle of the xenomorphs, because we don't get the queen until, part, until aliens. Right. Uh, and in the director's cut, there's a deleted scene of the hive uh, because Dallas and Brett are actually not straight up killed during the movie. They're, they're kidnapped, essentially, although Brett's pretty much dead. But they're kidnapped, essentially, and put in this weird cocoon, you know, uh, cocoon area. And um, I was reading about egg morphing. So I guess what's happening is, like, their bodies are being turned into eggs or being used to make more facehuggers, mm-hmm. which... You know, it's just like, oh, oh, okay, uh, you know, I'm like, all right. And uh, there's some fan theory that that's one way that if there's no queen around, that's how they can make a queen, which is, that's that's cool as shit. I love that. Yeah. And uh, in that scene, Dallas is t- talking to Ripley, and she's asking, hey, you know, kill me, all that, and she mm-hmm. flamethrowers him. And... Uh, that was awesome for me because that just reminds me of Alien Resurrection again, where she does the same thing to her clone, mm-hmm. or one of her fail, all of her failed clones. Um, so thoughts about like the whole reproductive cycle as far as egg morphing goes? 
honestly, I'm very surprised that was cut from the theatrical release of the, of the movie because that really does kind of give a lot of insight into what's going on, and it makes the audience more uncomfortable. I felt, um, but the whole the whole system is just great because you don't have just one thing to be afraid of. You've got all these different stages. You got the face hugger skirting around, the chest burster exploding out of you, and then the adult xenomorph hunting you. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what you do, you're vulnerable to at least one of those things. Mm. Yeah, and it's also one of these things where inside the ship's going to kill you, outside the ship's going to kill you too. Right. You know, it's something that comes up in the thing, you know, mm-hmm. same thing. <clears throat> uh, you know, and um, I thought it was, you know, I was just kind of thinking about the way that the alien is kind of choosing to, pro- the, the alien's choosing to propagate, like, uh, its species in this movie, just in this movie. So we use Kane to incubate the, you know, the facehugger uses Kane to incubate the xenomorph. Bursts out of his chest. Xenomorph kidnaps Dallas and Brett and uses them for food to make more eggs. Just kills Lambert and Parker, Mm -hmm. who are notably and respectively uh, a woman and a black guy. And... (laughs) Parker being the amazing Yafakota, who is in Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which he's great in. I love that movie. I got sidetracked. Uh, But, um, where was it? I had a note here. I don't know why I wrote it down either. But I do that a lot. Uh, So, I'm not going to, like, I'm I'm sure all aliens are a little bit different from each one to each one. Mm -hmm. But... They don't really have eyes. I don't see any eyes on those things. Neither do I. But this one can see color because he's only choosing white dudes, and that's really racist. Yeah, that's... that's I know it's a not-all-xenomorphs type of thing, (laughs) but... We just got the one racist xenomorph on that ship? Yeah, I know. That's what... Yeah, that's... That's crazy. I'm like, that's that's so uncool. You know, use you know, don't you can't you can't you don't have eyes. You can't see any color. You should just choose you know take everyone equally. (laughs) But I guess that's you know it's not how it works. Um, thoughts about the design of the alien? Uh, fantastic. You don't, you, you know, a lot of monster movies, they go for the shock factor, the horror, like it's just an ugly creature. This one is not hideous. It's terrifying, of course, but it's not like I want to avert my gaze. I kind of want to like look at it more. I want to see the detail, look at how intricate it is. It's and really shiny. It really is shiny. Yeah. But they used a lot of glycerin, so... They did. And I was also surprised to find out that was actually, like, a person playing it in the first movie. Uh, right. That, that guy was uh, definitely squeezing into that suit because yeah. it did not look human-sized. Yeah, yeah. It was a legit dude. And uh, he's 6'10", so he's still shorter than our tallest guest on the show, <laughs> former guest uh, Chris Johnson from Jason 6. But, you know, besides that, yeah, that's... Um, that's that's great that they were able to do that, that they were able to find that guy. Apparently, yeah. I think I think Ridley Scott found him in a bar somewhere. Wow. Like, just... I'm going it? to the wrong bars. I know. <laughs> like, how can I get cast in a horror movie like that? <laughs> uh, but, um, no lie, like, I, I do like the inner mouth. It just mm-hmm. kind of, for some reason, it reminds me of a Pez dispenser. You know, when you're reloading yeah, it. it really you does. You know, you flip up the head, and the, the little white shaft comes out. That's, that's not, that was a bad... Uh. That was a poor choice of words. <laughs> But you guys know what I mean. Also, I've seen that Alien Pez dispenser mm-hmm. where it actually does dispense the Pez in in uh, through the little the inner mouth. That's adorable. Um, yeah, that was always cool, and I think somebody got their head munched on. It might have uh, might have been Brett, but where I think somebody got a headshot. Yeah, someone got that head bite. Somebody had to. 
Ugh. And there's not a lot of blood in the movie, per se. No. Considering, but uh, there, you know, we see the blood that falls from Brett after he gets taken by the alien, who is just like fucking minding his own business because he just got done molting. Yeah. You know, he leaves the skin behind, and he was just chilling up in these chains in the supply room. Like he looked like he was meditating, and then uh, Brett comes and bothers him, but mostly because he's chasing down that damn fucking cat, who is my only concern in the film. It's like Sigourney Weaver, okay? Is the cat okay? Yes, okay, great. <laughs> Uh, and just completely, you know, and that's what he gets for bothering somebody while they're meditating. Exactly. And, you know, when, when that alien first comes down, the way its body moves, it's almost like it's unfurling. And I think they really wanted to, like, kind of give it sort of a butterfly look. Like, just coming out of the chrysalis, molting for the first time, and then opening its wings. Yeah, and that would make sense with the whole, there are kind of, there are, there are a lot of undertones towards the life cycle. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're on a ship where... Its name is Mother, and, you know, as, uh, even in the beginning where they're all being uh, awoken from their pods, it almost looks like a butterfly with the wings spreading out. <clears throat> uh, I was reading a weird... Like, I didn't really notice this about Lambert's death, the only other female on this crew, but apparently, like, she was raped by the alien? That, that was kind of a weird scene where that tail, like, just shoots straight up between her legs. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I didn't think that at first because I thought it went into her back. I thought it was just like a, a, a weird camera angle choice, but in hindsight, yeah, that was that was kind of rapey. Yeah, there's the, there's a scene after that where you can kind where you see uh, where Ripley finds their bodies, her and Parker, and she like Lambert's hanging, but like you can see her bare legs, and apparently there's blood coming down from them. Like Jesus Christ! Wow. So you know, I mean. I, you know, I never noticed that before. It's a little troubling. And I'm wondering, you know, did it just, like, rape and kill her? Or did it also use her, like, uh, did use her to, to, to incubate? Ugh. Ugh. Did it also use her to incubate something? I'm sorry, guys. I said I was drunk. I mean, <laughs> hungover. And I have to wonder, too, you know, when this first movie was made, did they really have the whole life cycle thought out? Because we don't really get too much backstory there until Aliens which expands on, you know, the, the eggs, the prisoners, the chest versus all that stuff. That first one, it felt like maybe they were just kind of feeling it out, mm-hmm. leaving some things up to the viewer's interpretation. And then second movie, they kind of solidified what was what. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of when we established the queen. Yeah. Ah, oh, man, Aliens was such a good movie. I just really want to watch that movie now, after watching the first one again, though. Because uh, it's like, let's just keep going with this. <laughs> uh so we've established Dallas can't captain for shit. Yes. We know Lambert's a whiny fucking bitch. And um, as far as Ash goes, he was fun as hell. Yes, he really Just, was. He's such a, like, he's evil from the very beginning. It's not even, it's like not even very well disguised. No, they didn't even try to hide that at all. No. Uh, so I'm thinking in, in this universe... These androids apparently have some concept of empathy. Like, they're programmed with some extent of it. Yes. And, you know, I was kind of... uh, I thought it was interesting, the relationship that he had with the Xenomorph, because he does admire it, but he's also jealous of it. Because the Xenomorph has no remorse and is devoid of emotion, essentially. Although I think we would find out that's not exactly true later on in sequels. But that's something that he can't have because he was programmed to feel things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, 
you know, uh, I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition there. And he has some excellent points of view about it. Uh, I had a couple of lines that I really liked that he had on here. Uh, and you know, also, too, that's, that's a pretty interesting reversal from how androids are usually written, because most of them want to feel things, want to learn how to become more human. Right. As opposed to him, who wants to be less. Yeah. And you don't see that very often. No, no, absolutely not. I think that's why, that's why I liked it so much. Uh, he's talking about the xenomorph, saying its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility, which is very much like him. He is structural perfection, but he can't. He can. He can't really have hostility. Well, he can have hostility. He did attack Ripley, but uh, he can't have the the level of hostility he would probably like. Although the scene where he's choking her, I was just you know, I was like, dude, it's not a dick. <laughs> that magazine is not a dick. Was that a porno mag? It's, Probably. It might have been, yeah. There was porno with, all around her. With that crew, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then, uh, basically, we do spaceship for a while. We're kind of, uh, you know, uh, Kane gets taken out by the chestburster, and then we've got to track down, uh, track down the xenomorph. And somehow Ash puts a motion tracker on it, but then it gets confused. The cat gets confused for it. Yeah. Which, that cat... Okay, like I, I all I do I wanted the cat to survive. Obviously, I am a cat person, but that cat would not survive in space with that fucking xenomorph. It just didn't seem no. <laughs> and and we can argue that cat is directly responsible for at least two of them dying by confusing the tracker. Oh, Brett for sure. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, absolutely. That's on the cat at this point. Yeah. That cat's the real villain of this movie. Hmm. It's true. It's an orange cat. So. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The xenomorph didn't seem that interested in Jonesy when he was in the carrier. He was just kind of like, kind of almost, I think this was very towards, uh, very much towards the end before Ripley got onto the actual shuttle mm -hmm. uh, to escape, but just kind of like swatted the carrier aside that right. Jonesy was in. So he was like, no, but uh, don't they use uh isn't there a dog alien though? There is in the third movie, I believe. Yeah. Yes. I think I think in his case that first one it might have been more of there's a there's a high value prey in front of me with Ripley who I'm going to chase down the cat I'm just going to knock out of the way to get her and I'll come back to this cat later on maybe yeah because Ripley's more of a threat to his survival right it'd be great if the cat ended up <laughs> killing the alien see that that's a sequel I would watch Cat yeah. vs Alien yeah yeah I would too that would be interesting um, but uh, you know just maybe animals shouldn't be in space. Yeah, no, definitely. Maybe it was the first emotional support animal. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So then, uh, what are we doing? Yeah, well, Jonesy calls, causes some deaths. And we keep doing space shit. And it's like, that's the... I like, you know, I like sci-fi movies, but I always get lost in the whole, we're doing this to this equipment, we're going to do this, and then you just run around scenes for a while trying to evade a monster. It's kind of like Event Horizon where it's just like, we're doing space shit for a while and then somebody dies. Yeah, or the movie goes like full Star Trek on you and just starts throwing jargon at you for whatever reason. It's like, hey, we're going to go ahead and build this machine that does these, these, these things. I know. Yeah. Especially with Ash talking about the, the like uh, when he's examining part of the face hugger and talking about polarized silicon as the part of the outer coating. And I'm like, do I have to look that up? Should I know that? Is that important? <laughs> I, I will give him credit, though. At least that did make sense, as opposed to Star Trek, where it's just random words thrown together. Like what? 
I, I, like, yeah, I, like, I don't watch Star Trek except for some TNG here and there. Whenever there's like an engineering issue or something going on with like the shields, they'll begin describing power levels with words that aren't <laughs> actually words or that don't mean what they say it means. Yeah, I bet that annoys a lot of engineers Like you're, where it's like, that's not science. It, oh, I imagine so, yes. Yeah. So, and then as far as the, the, the structure of the xenomorph, it can obviously survive extreme conditions. Yes. To a degree. But, you know... It uses oxygen, I'm guessing, because it's on the ship where everybody else is breathing oxygen. But then it's also outside of the ship after Ripley blows it out of the airlock, and it's hanging out there for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't seem that it's really having any problems moving around. So, that's questionable. Uh, and I know that there's there are a couple of weird little uh, animal species, like a, a tardigrade apparently can survive extreme conditions mm -hmm. and sort of go into a, like, Suspend their metabol the metabolic rate by you know uh, if they have to if they're severely dehydrated or whatnot. So, but usually they become rigid and flexible at that point, and this was just moving around like nothing. But hey, it's a movie. Yeah, and you know, for all we know, in terms of its biology at that point, it could be designed more for space, and it might have been less comfortable in the oxygenated environment. Who who even knows <laughs> these things? I think one of the Alien versus Predator movies made it to Earth, though. That was probably Requiem, and I don't know if there are any... I, Requiem was bad, and anybody who's going to say otherwise is going to... Y'all can fight me. <laughs> Requiem is not a good movie, guys. For, I'd rather watch the first AVP, where that fucking giant-ass queen is chasing Sanaa Lathan again. And she has a weird romantic... Connection with the Predator. Connection with the Predator. <laughs> so, yeah, I would love it if it was just one of these things where, you know, the Xenomorphs end up being like the aliens from Signs. And they just come to Earth, and, and they're like, oh, I can't breathe this. I cannot breathe this oxygen. Oh, God, is that rain? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, just the worst aliens possible. Uh, and um, the, you know, so essentially everybody's been killed off in the movie. Except for Ripley. Like, because we discussed Parker and Lambert mm -hmm. after all the space shit that happens. And then she's going to go, and she's going to detonate the... She's going to automatically detonate the ship, basically, and escape in the shuttle. I wonder what it was like for, you know, the... Because clearly Mother has a voice, and it's not a computer voice. Like, an actress had to go into a studio and, rec and record this for the company. <laughs> uh, She's also, like, their voicemail manager as well. Yeah, exactly. It's always that same... Uh, that same standard voicemail message. Uh, please leave your message for... Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, Ripley's escaping in the shuttle, of course. AJ, can we take a second? I need, I need water. Uh, so we are talking about the about being on the, on the shuttle at some point. Uh, I think it was around here that we were picking that back up. So we've exploded the ship. What, which, again, not a word. We've detonated. Detonated. Detonated the ship. And exploded, we're definitely not getting paid. Yeah, but we don't, you can't, we've exploded the ship doesn't sound right. Fair the enough. ship exploded. Okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So I, I don't know grammar. <laughs> so yes, not getting paid because, you know, the cargo's all gone. Yeah. And uh, now Ripley is on the shuttle with the cat, who's somehow still alive. I want to know who's cleaning that litter box. <laughs> Who do you think got that job? I, think, uh, I bet it was Ash. That's why he hates her. But yeah, probably. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you can, well, they didn't know he was a robot. But yeah, if you could make the robot just clean the litter box, 
Or did they finally develop a self-cleaning litter box that isn't terrible? I feel like we had to get to that point somewhere. Hi, Mr. Puppy. So we just had this little, bre little brief run-in by Tarvi and uh, Mr. Puppy, who's adorable. I think he'd make a really cute alien, like a cute dog alien. I have seen like dog face over costumes before. What? Yes. That's a, like, dress the dog up, oh my god, that would be adorable. Yeah. I need to do that for my cat. Like, if I, I saw that not. running at me, I would cry my eye, I would freak out. Like, yeah. I, I would not be okay with that. You almost admitted you'd cry. Wow, you're admitting a lot of things. <laughs> you're admitting a lot of the show. <laughs> I'm not going to discuss that. It's like an exclusive interview all of a sudden. So, I would definitely dress my cat up like a face hugger, but he'd probably just, he'd probably kill me in my sleep for it. Fair enough. So, we're on the ship. I mean the shuttle. We think everything's fine. And now we have a fourth act because that alien is actually on board. Yes. And on board and taking a nap, I think, is what it's doing. It looked like that. I wasn't sure if it was hurt because I didn't see them get any shots off, mm -mm. really. But yeah, he's like just chilling. Or he's yeah, he's yeah. just he's resting his non existent <laughs> eyes. <laughs> But, you know, and then it's like Ripley was like, oh, God. Yeah. And then she's basically this scene between her and that xenomorph is basically the same scene that everybody who has seen a cockroach on the wall, but the cockroach hasn't seen them yet. That's what's happening. Yes. Because she's sneaking off and she's like, OK, like getting ready. And the alien's still asleep, but it's like it's like when you're sneaking up on a cockroach and praying that it doesn't fly, like praying that you get to kill, that you get to the raid <laughs> before it realizes that you're there. You're right. And I have to wonder too with that with that alien, um, did it know what it was doing? Like, was it trying to hide from her now, trying to kind of mm. get to safety, or was it really just chilling out? It had a long day. It did have a long day. A lot of killing. I mean, it's only been alive for a few hours, so... It is, and it is a baby. Uh, yeah. Yeah, babies need a lot of sleep. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, probably sleeping. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure in Alien Resurrection there's a scene where they're all taking a nap in this big alien den. Because I remember seeing Ripley fall in it, and they're all cool with it. Because it's like, oh, yeah, you smell like us. <laughs> <laughs> and then in Aliens, when they're going to find the survivors, uh, they're just aliens in the walls hanging out, doing nothing at all but sleeping, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I guess they do take a lot of naps. I guess so. I wonder if they take more or less naps than cats. Because cats do sleep a lot, but I think probably probably less. I mean, they have to hunt a lot. They're always killing somebody. <laughs> um, so, you know, Ripley's doing that and sneaking up on this thing. And what, what was it that she was some sort of freezy substance maybe like um, I think she vented something like coolant like, out of the yeah. shuttle that drew, that kind of forced it out of where it was hiding yeah I would I guess you can't I didn't did she still have the flamethrower at that time because I mean I would choose fire but I don't think that's really safe yeah not in that kind of enclosed little space yeah not when that is literally the only thing you have left you yeah. can't explode anymore yeah. any more parts of a ship mm -hmm. so uh, yeah and then uh, it attacks her essentially, and she's attempting to blow it out of the airlock. And what does she use to shoot? Was it like a like a grappling? It was like a grappling a, hook like, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So shoots this thing out of the airlock, and it's still attached to the grappling hook, and you know, kind of being dragged along. And at some point, you know, gets kind of like scrambles up into the. I don't know technical terms, as you can tell. It it scrambles up into the thingy, and then she presses the thingy, and fire comes out. <laughs> the engine exhaust. Thank you. To which she then ignites and burns it up. Mm. Yep. 
So at that point, now that we know that thing's dead, she can go back into cryo sleep for, oh, at least six weeks, as mentioned in her sign off mm-hmm. with the cat. But really, 50 some odd years. Oh, yeah, it was 50 some odd years. Mm-hmm. Did she just miscalculate? I think I think she went off course and drifted somehow. Yeah. And she just wound up getting lost in space. Huh. How did she get picked up? By some other cruiser it was from the a, company? It was a salvage vessel that just kind of stumbled upon her, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember, I vaguely remember Aliens and Paul Reiser. And was he an employee of the company as well? Yes. Yes, he was. What is the, is it, what's the name of it? Is it Wayland dutani or Wayland something? Wayland mm-hmm. Okay. That's what I was thinking. It's been a long time since I've seen the movies, apparently. <laughs> so that's kind of the end of the movie. But um, what I, what's, what's something I wanted to bring up um, is, have you ever been to Disney World? Yes. Okay, how old were you and when? Uh, probably around 10-ish, mm. so 18 years ago. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Did you go to uh, MGM Studios, or I guess they're calling it Hollywood Studios? Or Yes, I did. Okay. Did you go on the great movie ride? I did. Okay. Then you know what I'm talking about. I do, Excellent. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because in the great movie ride, there is uh, that uh, excellent part where you ride through the kind of the end portion before Ripley gets on the, on the, on the shuttle from the Nostromo. And... That was kind of a scary thing for me as a kid. That was that whole ride scared me at various really? parts. Yeah, I was a I was a big wuss of a child, but yeah, I do remember that. Mm. And it's funny because there's a, an animatronic Ripley who basically all she does is she just moves with the waist with the flamethrower, <laughs> and then she looks worried from side to side, <laughs> and she's dressed in this outfit that looks like came out of like it looks like a Ghostbusters Halloween yeah. costume. Yeah, or like a janitor or something. Not yeah. at all from the movie. Yeah, it's like not even close. And I'm so sad that they've taken that that ride down. Like mm-hmm. it's been gone oh, less than a year now. Wow. Yeah, it's like the it, it was the the, uh, the last thing that uh, they had on opening the last ride they had on opening day when they, when the park first opened. So it lasted a long time. But that is yeah, makes me so sad. Did you ever have any of the alien action figures growing up? Yes, I I'm sure I had a whole bunch of those. Tons. I missed out on that. I feel like I got, I feel like part of my childhood I got gypped on. But. My condolences. I know. I mean, we were talking about the, the face huggers earlier, you know, besides like the face hugger suit and then also the, or for face hugger dog costume. And then the, what was the other one? The, the plush face hugger. You yes. showed me a picture of that. That's right. And the alien Pez dispenser. I can't think of any other like really strange merchandise per se. But I'm sure it exists. Oh, I've seen in, in loot boxes almost every other week. There's something alien related in those things. Okay, I know they do t-shirts and whatnot. T-shirts. I've, I've gotten. I had a, once a little carton of eggs given to me that was all facehugger eggs. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Are they just like how big are they? They're egg sized, like they're just tiny, like a real, like a real egg carton. Okay. What do you do with them then? Do I, they do anything? I not that I. I'm afraid to open it honestly. <laughs> Man, you're killing me, Smalls. Jeez. It's it's a great paperweight. That's what it is. Yeah, I would I would feel like I want to know if they do stuff. That's my. I'll, I'll find out for you and re- report back. Okay, good. Thank you. That I have to know that because <laughs> I'm just now I'm intrigued. You know, it's like what if this whole time they actually had little things in there. I mean, not real ones. It's fucking merchandise. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think it'd be cool to have like a little egg you could actually play with. You know, just have like a little face hugger hanging out. Absolutely. I mean, you could just give it to people or put it on your desk whatever 
Um, but uh, yeah, that kind of concludes Alien, which we're all going to recommend. Absolutely. Jay yeah. is probably going to say no because he's Jay. He doesn't like anything. No. I like Alien. You better like Alien. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, what about Aliens? Why did you like that? Let's talk a little bit about that because that's like I want to watch that movie again. Aliens, I think for me, it shows that a series can really jump genres and still be good because you know Alien was a claustrophobic smuggling people trying to survive Aliens went like full on war mode where it's a squad of soldiers hundreds of aliens firefights auto cannons all kinds of stuff going on and that just kind of took the series to 11 I feel yeah and it's like they have no problem dispatching aliens in, in, in the sequel. It's right. fine. Apparently these xenomorphs are weak against bullets. It took, uh, it took Ripley like an airlock and a bunch of, I'm guessing, yeah, coolant, liquid nitrogen, whatever, yeah. to get rid of one. Mm-hmm. So uh, all I, I remember, what I remember about aliens most of all was the, the final battle with the queen. Yes. And like Ripley trying to protect Newt. Yeah. It was such that that's a very that's a very stressful scene for me. It really is. It's yeah, it's beautiful, but it's very stressful. And it's just like ah, I don't care about you know. For the most part, like if you're gonna put a kid in a horror movie, I know that ninety nine percent of the time they're gonna live, so it's not really surprising. But I'm actually worried for Newt's safety. So, and I think the cat survived again, didn't it? Oh man, that was cat. the cat still alive? Probably not. It couldn't have I, still been alive. I think she left it with the company when she left Earth. Oh. Because it was in her apartment, I believe. Okay. Also, well, okay, I was thinking, like, how is her apartment still there? <laughs> Probably <laughs> a new apartment. She disappears for, like, 50 years, <laughs> and she kind of comes back to the same apartment. No, it's fine. Yeah. And um, I remember Vasquez. Mostly, you know, she was a badass, but I, remember, I dated this dude who had, like, a weird fetish for Vasquez, so I'm like... I feel that most dudes probably have that fetish. Oh, Okay. You're into Vasquez too, then, huh? I, I would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, she's great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, without getting too much into Aliens, you know, because that would be an entirely another show. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not, I'm again, I'm still too hungover to be even doing this show, guys. Again, I'm sorry. Birthday parties are important. Not even my own birthday party. But um, do you have anything else that you want to add about the movie? Just that it was great and everybody should watch it Mm -hmm. as soon as possible if you haven't already seen it. Yeah, and then go watch Alien Resurrection. Alien 3 you can skip. Prometheus is probably eh. Alien Covenant's fine if you like Michael Fassbender. And don't watch Requiem for AVP. AVP is okay. I think the idea of Pred Aliens and whatever the other one was is fucking stupid. (laughs) I'm sorry. I think good idea, terrible execution. Better, yeah, that's, that's better put that way. It's like... It was like a, I mean, it wasn't as bad as like Freddy versus Jason. But no, but it was definitely wasted potential. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'm depressed now that we've been talking about AVP, but yeah, I'm going to go watch Alien. So uh, signing off, um, the last survivors of Sheepy Jeebies. Bye, guys. Stay creepy. Go watch Alien Resurrection. Bye.